is Matt Crump. I've been known as a lot of things over my life. The class clown, the army guy, the rocker guy, the car guy, and the guitar guy. I've also made a lot of mistakes in my life, but the best thing I ever did, that's give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. He led me down a lifelong path and introduced me to my awesome bride, Rockin' Robin, blessed us with two incredible kids, and has given me a hope through some of the absolute toughest times of my life. See, I'm battling stage four cancer, and although that sucks, <laughs> it's opened my eyes and heart to a hope I never knew this way before and moments I never noticed. I call those God's Got This Moments, and they reveal hope like never before. Today, I'd like to welcome you to Hope Revealed. Well, hello and welcome back, or welcome to those of you tuning in for the first time to Hope Revealed. I'm your host, Matt Crump, and I come to you every Tuesday with episodes of Hope, Help, and Health. Sometimes we'll have guests that give us great information and help in the world of health and healthcare, as well as ways to find hope through that information. As a person myself with stage four cancer, I wanted to bring a platform to you that would specifically bring hope as well as help. That can be done through special guests and information I've been able to locate and information from emails and messages I receive from you, our listeners. You can always email us here at community at godsgotthis.love for questions, comments, or content. On today's episode, we're going to talk about virtue and the ways to look at virtues in our own life and how you may or may not be incorporating them. I hope you'll stick around for the next few minutes, and I look forward to hearing back from you after the show today in the comments section of the podcast. We really value your input. Virtue. It's a small word and a big topic, and there are many viewpoints about it. I'd like to share with you some things you may not have considered, didn't think you needed to consider, or I'll just pump you up and make you feel great since you already know all about it. <laughs> all right. Maybe you heard of a guy by the name of Aristotle. He was and is one of the most noted teachers about virtue. He's most known for his work entitled Virtue as the Mean Between Two Extreme States. And before we go there, what's the basic definition of virtue? Well, a virtue is a, a trait or a quality that is deemed to be morally good and thus is valued as a foundation of principle and good moral being. Personal virtues are characteristics valued as promoting collective and individual greatness. The opposite of virtue is vice. Well, pretty easy to see that depending on culture and language, a virtue could mean one thing to someone and something totally different to another. The opposite, as just heard through the definition of virtue, is vice. Vice is defined as immoral or wicked behavior. Again, it's pretty easy to think of examples right away. However, it could again mean different things in different cultures. I think it's very easy to see that we have a decline of good virtue, especially in America, than we have prior. And yes, we have many virtue issues in our past and many vices as a country. However, we live in 2018 and we're the ones living in this world today. What are some things that we can learn from those that have gone before us? What are some things we can learn from God that have been there, well, since time as we know it really began? I obviously can't go into a forever podcast today, but we can start somewhere. Let's start with something you might be familiar with, the seven deadly sins. If you're wondering, no, there's not a scripture that says, here are the seven deadly sins. 
There are, however, many scriptures that speak of them and even name a few. One of the most popular and where this idea really comes from uh, in the scriptures actually has seven points, and it is found in Proverbs uh, chapter 6, that's the Old Testament, verses 17 through 19. Here it is in the message for a quick and easy reference. All right, verse 16, here are six things God hates and one more that he loathes with a passion, eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil plots, feet that race down a wicked track, a mouth that lies under oath, a troublemaker in the family. Pretty awesome, right? It's pretty easy. So now we have heard the scripture. Here are those seven common deadly sins that you hear about so often. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. The seven deadly sins, they were originally based on a list of eight principal vices. The list was developed in the 4th century CE by the mystic Evagrius Ponticus. Evagrius Ponticus, I got that pronounced wrong, sorry. Uh, whose work inspired the writings of monk and ascetic John Cajun. In the 6th century, Pope Gregory I changed Cajun's list of eight vices into the list of seven deadly or cardinal sins of Roman Catholic theology. Pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, anger, and sloth. Gregory viewed these as capital or principal sins in that many other sins can come from those. Okay, so put on your learning caps. I wanted to share with you a chapter from Aristotle's work, Book 2 of Aristotle's uh, Nicomachean, I'm horrible with pronunciation, Nicomachean Ethics, as it was translated by W.D. Ross. This comes from chapter 5. And yeah, just stick with me for a minute, right? We don't always talk like this, but this is good stuff. All right, what virtue is? It's genus. Next, we must consider what virtue is. Since things that are found in the soul are of three kinds, passion, faculties, states of character. Virtue must be one of these. By passions, I mean appetite, anger, fear, confidence, envy, joy, friendly, feeling, hatred, longing, emulation, pity, and in general, the feelings that are accompanied by pleasure or pain. By faculties, the things in virtue of which we are said to be capable of feeling. These, for example, of becoming angry or being pained or feeling pity. By states of character, the things in virtue of which we stand well or badly with reference to the passions. For example, with reference to anger, we stand badly if we feel it violently or too weakly and well if we feel it moderately. And similarly, with reference to the other passions. Now, neither the virtues nor the vices are passions, because we are not called good or bad on the ground of our passions, but are so called on the ground of our virtues and our vices, and because we're neither praised nor blamed for our passions, for the man who feels fear or anger is not praised, nor is the man who simply feels anger blamed, but the man who feels it in a certain way. But for our virtues and our vices, we are praised or blamed. Again, we feel anger and fear without choice, but the virtues are modes of choice or involve choice. Further, in respect to the passions, we are said to be moved, but in respect of the virtues and the vices, we are said not to be moved, but to be disposed in a particular way. For these reasons, also, they are not faculties, 
For we are neither called good nor bad, nor praise nor blame, for the simple capacity of feeling the passions. Again, we have the faculties by nature, but we are not made good or bad by nature. We have spoken of this before. If then the virtues and neither passions nor faculties, all that remains is that they should be states of character. Thus we have stated what virtue is in respect of its genus. Phew, okay, let me take a breath. That's a lot, right? That's pretty big. My goodness, that's not something I say every day, but it sure helps us understand mostly where and what we're talking about and what we're doing with this word virtue today. I revealed last week that I'm a great nephew to Benjamin Franklin. Yes, that Benjamin. My wife hates that I talk about it, and I surely don't do that just to brag about it. I'm really honored to be considered family with him and do want to honor that legacy in my life as much as I can. As for the kites and keys, probably not so much. I know that my great-uncle had many faults in his life. He wasn't completely a perfect example, and I'm able to say, neither am I. I've been researching my uncle a bit more lately and found out some really exciting things about him and feel like some of his passions are mine as well. I guess you can say it might be in my DNA. Uncle Ben was very intent about virtue in his life. I know that because of some of his mistakes, he was probably driven to better as a result of the past vices. I can relate with that. He was so passionate about good virtue, he created what we would call a modern-day planner or a journal to inventory his life, be accountable for things in it, and through observation of certain things in his life, he could make corrections easier. One quote he was noted for saying was this, By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. He was born into a family of 17 children, son of a poor candle and soap maker. Benjamin realized early on his life the importance of self-improvement. Though he only attended one year of grammar school, he was a young boy who would learn on his own how to read and write, to improve and learn. He would study the writings of famous authors and just forced himself to write in their same styles. There's a lot I could say about him and accolades in his life. I'll say that for another time. One thing that really jumped out to me and created this buzz in my spirit to talk about this week was a list of virtues he wrote down. Mind you, when he wrote this and created his personal development plan to accompany him, he was 20 years old. Amazing, 20. He wrote in his, in his own biography about this time in his life. Here's what he said. It was about this time I conceived the bold and arduous project of arriving at moral perfection. I wished to live without committing any fault at any time. I would conquer all that either natural inclination, custom, or company might lead me into. Okay, so are you ready? Here they come. There's 13 of them. Yep, I hope you're taking notes today. You can always come back and, uh, and listen to it again after you download it. All right, number one, temperance. He said, eat not to dullness and drink not to elevation. It's pretty good. Don't pig out and don't get drunk. Number two, silence. Speak not but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. That's so good. Gossip sucks, right? Number three, order. Let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. Mm. Number four, resolution. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. Wow. Number five, frugality. 
make no expense but to do good to others or yourself. For example, waste nothing. That's good advice from somebody who was raised as a poor family member of a candle maker. You understand value. Number six, industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. Number seven, sincerity. Use no hurtful deceit. Think innocently and justly. And if you speak, speak accordingly. Number eight, justice. Wrong none by doing injuries or omitting the benefits that you are your duty. Wow. (laughs) Number nine, moderation. Avoid extremes. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. Number 10, cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. Mm. Number 11, tranquility. Be not disturbed at trifles or at accidents common or unavoidable. Number 12, chastity. Rarely use venery, but for health or offspring. Never dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. And last, number 13, humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. That's pretty awesome stuff right there. 13 places that he found in his life that were vehemently important to him that he wrote when he was 20 years old. Wow. The desire to improve and grow is probably one of the top money-making efforts in print, events, and on the internet. I've been on the internet like crazy for the past few months while I've been trying to develop myself, my ministry, the brand, everything I've been doing. And, and I've, I've launched into a whole world that I didn't even know was out there. It's crazy, but there's so much you can find out about there. People are willing to make money at almost anything, right? It's everywhere you look. People like top dog CEOs and successful business people to incredible athletes, artists, or anyone else on the planet for that matter, they found ways to develop and leverage their instinctive potential and talent. So when my Uncle Ben wrote these things, it wasn't like he was the only one who ever had the thought, but he did have an opportunity. (laughs) There's no doubt that some seem to rise to the top while others don't rise at all, perhaps even sink to a lower level than expected. I believe that the one thing most vital both groups of people is the desire to change and how to implement a way to do it. That's why I brought up the personal development planner part. What is vital in defining virtue in your life and doing something about it? I want to share with you a few things that I think that uh, would be good to be able to implement and look at in your own life to find what you find as virtue in your life. And um, if you don't really know, then this is a great place to start. All right, so here's four easy steps. I got all kinds of steps for you today, so you're definitely going to want to uh, to go check out the blog when it comes out on Thursday, because I'm going to put all this down in the blog and have it all in writing, be able to check it out there as well. Save a lot of writing time, but uh, I sure hope you go there as well. All right, so here's four steps. Number one, write it down. That's the first thing to do. You got a thought, write it down. As we discussed the 13 points that Benjamin Franklin wrote down, he wrote it. He also expounded upon each point and had a plan to personally examine the results. He just wasn't writing to write. He wrote it down because he had a plan to find out what he was doing, where he was doing, how he's doing it, and how to keep himself accountable. Write it down. All right, number two, shoot for the stars. 
what I mean by this is some things can be so big that the only way we can achieve them is by trusting in Christ to get us to and through them. I can't always see how I get through a schedule I created to do like the hashtag God's got this stuff and hope revealed ministry five days a week, but I was shooting for the stars and I trusted and trusted the vision that came from God. The only way that I could get through this doing this Monday through Friday is that he'd have to help me to do it. I can't do it myself, but I'm shooting for the stars. I'm trying my best. And I, I gave myself some goals to be able to do, right? All right. So number three, attainable time. Things don't always have to happen now. I'm one of those guys, I like to do it, and I like to do it now. But some things just take time. A list of things that are nowable and laborable are keys to success. Don't look that up the dictionary. They're not there. I just made them up. Nowable and laborable. There's no doubt that Benjamin didn't claim to be anywhere near Christ, but he wanted to work at getting closer. That's something I'm trying to do as well. I don't claim to be perfect. I'm just trying to get there. All right, number four, valuable virtue. Some may jump right into the dollar value of that statement. When at 20 years old and the son of a candle maker trying to figure out his life, dollars weren't necessarily the prime focus of these points of virtue for Benjamin. They did, however, have incredible value and meaning to his life and could easily lead him on any path of life directed and still hold him challenged and accountable at any point in his life. I always feel that the best source of information can always be found in the Bible. The issue for some is not that they don't want to look there, it is just the uncertainty of where to even look. A biblical example is that someone with virtue displays wisdom, courage, kindness, good manners, courtesy, modesty, generosity, and self-control in their life. They treat others fairly and esteem others highly and value the sanctity of life. They treat others better than they're treated. Someone who has good virtue has good moral ethics and makes biblical choices in life. One of my favorite scriptures to read about that is in Philippians 4, chapter 8. Paul, he's the guy who wrote the chapter and much of the New Testament. He really shared with us a glimpse into a godly virtue and a great how-to list for ourselves. I go to it so often. It's so helpful with the way that you think. Here it is. I want to share it with you again in the version of the Bible called The Message because sometimes it really has a way of hitting you right between the ears with the understanding. I like a lot of versions, so I encourage you to look at several of them, but here it is in The Message, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Summing it all up, friends, I'll say, I'd say to you, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized, do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. That's great stuff. I love reading it every time. It's like an emotional buzz for me. And sometimes it can feel like a smack in the face when I'm not living into those principles. What are some of those that uh, were just mentioned? True. Am I living into the truth of God's word? Noble. Am I living in a just and a fair way? Pure. How about that holy living part? How's that going? Lovely. We're not talking about some nice dress or a suit and good manners here. It's about living love out loud like Christ does. 
Then there is that things of good report line. That is reports of people doing good things for God and good things done by God that are noticed and notable. Unfortunately, virtues like these and behaviors like these are not as common as once and a passion and target in people's lives like they used to be. Does that mean that it's over and it can't happen again? No. It means that you can develop your own virtual planner by living into those virtuous plans and challenge your, challenging yourself and your family, it can seriously create the space and example for people to make change in their lives as well. On last week's podcast about contemplation, I asked a question. If you knew that you were about to die and you're okay with it and had time to think, what three words would you use to sum up life? I'm not asking that question again. However, it's good to reflect on it a bit and start a place where you can develop your own list of things that are virtuous in life. So here are a couple of questions that can help you develop out that list a bit more, and will no doubt take some time and contemplation on your part to answer. All right, so here's a bunch more. Are you ready? Number one, what is your purpose on earth? Whoa, I started off with the easy one, right? What's your purpose on earth? We all have one. What's yours? It doesn't matter if you're 7 or 70 listening today. We all have purpose. And if you think you missed the boat and it's too late, well, the boat just turned around. It's coming back to pick you up. So start thinking. You're more likely going to work this out on your own. So I would encourage you not to lie. You have no one to impress and no reason to lie. You got no reason to lie to yourself. Be honest. Be real. Here's an incredible quote I found by Rosalind Carter. You must accept that you might fail. Then... If you do your best and still don't win, at least you can be satisfied that you've tried. If you don't accept failure as a possibility, you don't set high goals. You don't branch out. You don't try. You don't take the risk. So, as I mentioned earlier, reach for the stars. What is your purpose on earth? I'm so excited for you to, to look and dig into that. All right, number two, what are your values? Another one of those we all have moments. The serious part in this moment is, do you really know what yours are? Are they written? You have an example. I just gave it to you from Benjamin Franklin, of course, Aristotle, but what say you? Take time. Look at other lists from people and jot them down. What really sticks out to you? What sticks out to you the most and develop a list? It doesn't have to be huge. Start with a goal of at least five or more. You'll see that many of the values will come from your purpose. If you have a hard time with the value part, go back to purpose and rethink to see if you've really given that honest answer. All right, number three, what are your goals? The Bible is very clear, and it's a very clear teacher. And one thing that is easy to see is that God is the author of life. We are taught that he knows the beginning from the end. Isaiah 46.10 says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. <laughs> that being said, seeking God for understanding and wisdom about your goals, would be the first place I start. That is another reason I say, hashtag God's got this. Because if anyone knows what's up, it's God. What are your goals? That's both a current and long-term question. Use things you come up with from your purpose and values to help you guide you on your goals. All right, number four, hone in on your habits. There is no doubt we all have habits. 
many we know, and I'm sure there are several you and I may not be aware of at all. What's interesting about our brains is the simple fact that we can change. We can create new and delete old habits. It's not always easy, but it is possible. I use the word hone because it means to improve or perfect, usually regarding a skill. What habits will you need to get rid of And what new ones will you have to adopt and adapt to to live in your purpose, values, and goals? What are some habits you can begin implementing now in small ways to reach a long-term goal or goals? Here's a few scriptures to help you go after goals in your life. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. 1 Chronicles 4.10 But as for you, be strong and don't give up. For you will be rewarded, Second Chronicles 15.7. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed, Psalm 20, verse 4. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations, Psalm 33.11. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, heart Psalm 37.4, one of my favorite scriptures of all time. All right, here's the next thing, number five, Taylor your time. By being a good steward of your time, you're reflecting the most valuable things in life. If a person not, uh, that's just nonchalantly going through the motions, it's easy seen by others as well as we all know now a word and term called fake news, right? Be a good steward because it's easily seen if you're not. I absolutely loved reading this verse while preparing today's podcast for you. It's in Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 9. Again, I'm reading it from the message. I know I love it. It says, Seize life. Eat bread with gusto. Drink wine with a robust heart. That part's probably the easiest for most of us. (laughs) Oh, yes. God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. Relish life with the spouse you love each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it. And heartily. This is your last and only chance to do it. For there's neither work to do nor thoughts to think in the company of the dead. Where you're most certainly headed. Shoo-wee! That is a great way to look at value in time. And the time of our lives is a simple fact that you have but one life to live. So live it well. That's great stuff. Ecclesiastes 9, right? Check it out. Okay, I've put a lot of information out there today, a ton. Be assured, if you didn't take notes, you can download this episode for free. And you can check out my blog on Thursday, got, hashtag God's Out This Blog, and I will publish this in print for you to follow and have it uh, so you can easier, uh, easierly, easierly, so that you can more easily follow along. That's a better way to say it. Shoo, Lord, help me. We've looked at several examples of virtue today. Obviously, the best coming from God's Word is primary, and all else is secondary. You'll find many incredible resources available to you in defining virtue and values for your life. I'd strongly encourage you to find those that honor God and his plan for us all. I'm a bit partial to my old uh, old Uncle Ben's thoughts, and uh, they have turned out to be very beneficial for generations of people, and I hope they can be a great value to you as well as you seek to define and develop your own. For those listening, listening or reading along today who may be struggling with life in general, it may be a matter of health like I'm involved with. 
And it could be a matter of emotions. Perhaps you're feeling lost or lonely, depressed, or, or just void. I understand those emotions as well. You're really not alone. As much as you may try to convince yourself that you are, I promise you, you're not. Sometimes a fresh moment of assessment or reassessment is vital and valuable to hone in on those habits we just talked about. Kill the bad ones and give life to new ones. If after listening today, you find yourself encouraged or encouraged enough to start, but just have a hard time getting going, then please feel free to reach out to us here at hashtag God's Got This and Hope Revealed. We'd love to process a bit with you and seek God's direction in your life. You matter. And because you can make all the difference in the world, we're all in. You might just be what the doctor ordered. If you're not already subscribed to our mailing list and receiving our Monday magazine and other emails, please visit our site at godsgotthis.love and click subscribe. When the little window pops up, you'll see that there and you can push the little button or look for the newsletter subscribe button and it'll do the same thing in the website. We're so thankful to be able to provide all that God has given us to do. And if there's any way you can be a part financially to help us with the costs, we would be ever so grateful. When you get to the website, you click on the donations link and you'll be guided to go from there. Please consider joining our community by being a monthly supporter and helping us reach the world with God's message of hope revealed and that God's got this. Dig in this week. Go after those values and virtue in your life and in your family's life as well. If you'd like a kickstart personal planner like my Uncle Ben used, please email us. We'll be happy to send one out to you for free. Remember, as Paul said to us from God's heart in Philippians 4, 6-9, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And he surely will, my friends. Don't give in. Don't give up. And never forget, God's got this. <laughs>